Listen in the dojo and dynamite. Dynamite, put your hand in ring is out of sight. All elite TNT make it feel right. Put your hand all elite, time to unite. One's name Rich, the other Ashley. The number one pod for the whole family. Time to fill your wrestling appetite. Now it's time to start dojo and dynamite. This is Ashley and Rich here with episode 81 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Tuesday, June 15th, and this recording was a bit delayed because we had a very, very busy weekend, and I got a new computer. So I was so excited. I had to spend all evening yesterday after work getting it set up and playing around, and we were supposed to be recording this episode on said new computer. But it doesn't have USB ports, and we can't plug in our microphones. <laughs> Faux pas on my end. Yeah, that's Apple for you. That'll make things easy. Complex beast, but we have the podcast anyway. We are going to be changing, as we've talked about multiple times, the release of the podcast with Rampage coming on Fridays. So it's probably going to be post-weekend, Saturday, Sunday, post-weekend, depending on what occurs with New Japan, if it happens on Mondays like Dominion did. so I think the goal will be getting it out Saturday or Sunday for... Monday, like yeah. having it out for the start of the week, work yeah, week. Yeah, we want, we want to make sure that it's out there Monday for the work week for those who want to listen, get it up this, you know, like prepare for Wednesday for Friday. You're going to have that on TBS coming in 2022. So make sure that we have our schedule updated for that. But there was a dynamite on Friday. Yeah, and this was quite the rebound, I would say, from the previous week. Well, I think as a as a show, this was a better show. Yeah, I was it was it was fun. It was it felt more engaging. There were better matches. Obviously it opens with Christian Cage, it won't jump ahead, but Christian looked great. Yeah, the Young Bucks versus Death Triangle, Eddie Kingston, Moxley had his baby, Renee. Congratulations, Congratulations. to everybody there. That's so exciting. Happy and healthy. He'll be hosting her podcast. Ashley and I will be doing a fantasy football podcast at some point in the future. I, I don't I don't know if that's actually gonna happen. Maybe. As we start to gear up toward the drafts, I think we're going to be there. Got a big draft coming the night of All Out. Depending on if we go or not. You can listen to Rich's fantasy football strategy, which what is more like analytical. I play with I play with heart. No, listen, I, draft, I, I select I number seven in heart. this draft. I asked everybody who was before me politely, do not select Saquon Barkley before I selected number seven. They they seem to agree with me. So I, I believe that I will be getting Saquon Barkley at number seven. Ashley, you pick number one. There's only one direction for you to go in. No pun intended to your previously favored band, Harry Styles. 1D. One oh, direction. Yeah. That was a big time of your life. Good time. Now they're on solo careers. Um... Yeah, last year was an absolute disaster. Well, Michael Thomas is who you drafted first. They held out. We're falling apart here. Can't get across. Got a wrestling show to do. Can't have all this. <laughs> we started the Fantasy Football Podcast just now. All right, without further ado, let's dive into this week's Dynamite Recap. So as you mentioned, we started off with Christian Cage versus Angelico in singles action. 
So this came from the fact that Christian's feuding with Matt Hardy. The match concludes. You had Jack Evans getting involved. You had Matt Hardy getting involved. Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy is going to be the end goal. Yeah. Christian Cage looked fantastic. Now, I understand Christian's been working with a lot of young guys who have kind of helped him out in the ring, you know, in terms of making him look good. But this guy's going. Christian looks great. But against Angelico, it makes sense. He's facing the Matt Hardy brand or whatever he calls himself, Hardy Family Office. I get it. But it's kind of disappointing when you have Christian Cage versus Angelico, who hasn't been on television in months, in a, in a, a prime role or wrestling match. From a match standpoint, I thought it was really entertaining. Yeah, I thought the match I was liked good. Bo- I like yeah. both of these guys. But yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. Like, it could have been private party. But yeah, Jungle Boy come out, kind of show, hey, Christian Cage, is this going to be something that we get Christian turning on Jungle Boy at some point? Could this be kind of where we go? Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage, maybe? It's kind of like, you know, he came out to save him. No Luchasaurus, no Marco Stun. I don't trust the Alliance. No. <laughs> I just kind of feel like maybe... Christian's going to get tired of Jungle Boy coming to save the day and kind of want his spot that he may have lost in that Battle Royal after this summer's over. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy comes the 26th of June, live on Saturday night, which should be a much better audience. I mean, this is, again, another audience number that was just terrible. We're not a ratings show. No. No, but the Friday Friday spot has been... Just killer. JRJ responded on Twitter saying, you know, the late night show makes it even more difficult in the UK because you can't watch it live. No, you're right. That's what JRJ was saying. He was talking about that and he wanted something about the wingman. So I am I am all for this. Which wingman wore it best? Ryan Nemeth is becoming Dolph Ziggler. I got to think of another name. Who could Dolph Ziggler's brother be? Ryan Nemeth. Yes, I get it. (laughs) What? Jesus. I'm trying to put the pieces together here to try to, you know, let's figure this out. What would Ryan Nemeth be? Like Rolf Biggers. I mean, no, know. he's just Ryan Nemeth. He's not his brother. He's not Dolph. All right, put a poll out. Me and the fans. <laughs> what would Dolph Ziggler's brother be? I mean, he's 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 Nick Nemeth, right? Dolph. Yes. Yes. So he's Ryan Nemeth. Dolph Ziggler's brother's got to be who? Rolf Biggers. I think that this segment is, you know, not not as, fuck, <laughs> this is not as clear cut as which buck wore it best. Well, I guess in the same standing, but I'd have to are... say that Ryan Nemeth wore it best. He's no, slowly I evolving would... into Dolph Ziggler. Stop this. I would agree for this week that he did wear it best, but, you know, Peter Avalon's looking sharp, Cesar Bononi's looking sharp. You got J.D. Drake. I, there, there's a lot of fashion happening here. I feel B- like... Bononi, Banani. He has looked good the past couple weeks. Yeah, like this is... He has had nice outfits. I'd, we, I'd, we have I'd to... Throw that out there. Definitely have to acknowledge uh, the fashion happening in in this group. And I feel like Mr. Nemeth may not be taking... For right now, it's not J.D. Drake. Every week, though. It's not J.D. Drake. Not right now. Because he was out there in that Britt Baker thing. In the celebration with with Nyla throwing the the uh, the Big Macs, and I didn't even know he was out there. <laughs> he blended into that corner, which means he's not standing out. No, he has he do he does have to. He step has to it up this game. I didn't know he was out there. Okay. But we, <laughs> JRJ, I'm with you. I love the wingmen. I, I think this is a good group. If JD Drake, you know what? 
there are some people that want to hear some interviews. Maybe J.D. Drake should come on here. We'll talk some fashion, and we'll get him ready oh, to be on God. television. That'll be our first. That's a unique one. Where does J.D. Drake go to do interviews? He gets to come on here and talk about fashion on how he can enhance his position as the bottom right now of the wingman. Is this what our interviews are going to be? <laughs> like, analyzing who wore it best? I think this is the best direction for Dojo and Dynamite right now. <laughs> we are talking about who wore it best. J.D. Drake, you're, you're irrelevant. Come on here. We'll hook you up. We'll help you out. We know that Matt Jackson and the big LG carry no, like the, I the said, brand. When I said it wasn't as clear cut, it's because Nick is the winner of which buck wore it best. That's irrelevant to J.D. Drake. So we're going to have him come on here. We're, you know, That's what we're going to do. J.D. Drake. Let's talk some fashion. Let's get you to the top of the wingmen, okay? That's our this goal. Is, this is what you're manifesting. All right, let's do it. Jenny Drake, let's go. Top of the wingmen. I love it. So much fun. But, yeah, that, that promo happened at some point in the show where they're, they're going after Orange Cassidy. They're actually yes. trying to give him a makeover. Right, which Orange Cassidy has a, a nice look. He's got a fine look. He has a unique style to himself. I, Cesar Bonani, Bononi, Ryan Nemeth, Peter Avalon, and then you got like J.D. Drake. Come on. J.D. Drake can't be giving Orange Cassidy advice. I got I to gotta see some outfits here. You want to give J.D. Drake fashion advice? Yes. He's going to rise the ranks of the wingmen. He's going to jump into which buck wore it best. This is kind of our... The wingmen, <laughs> the wingmen is kind of like... You know, it's the SmackDown to the Raw, okay? So, like, we got this right now. You can't now, just invite everyone into which Buck wore it best. This the is Bucks, a very... What you're not understanding is the Bucks are the top of the class. That's why it's which Buck wore best. People can jump the Bucks. Which Buck wore best award? They, they just, they created, they created the genre. They created the classification. Others can win the Buck award, but the Bucks were, were the, the founding partners of it. But moving right along. So next up, we had Cody coming out with his big announcement, which I think we were all in the same boat, where Tony Schiavone had that brief little pause announcing the debut of Brock Anderson on AEW Dynamite. For Brock a- <laughs> Anderson is not an intimidating person. And I Bless. love Arn. I love Arn Anderson. But Brock Anderson, the big hype, the big advertisement was not. And again, this this is no offense to Brock. I'm sure he's coming along well. I'm sure he's training well. It was not the guy I had anticipated Cody was partnering with. So we'll see. I mean, maybe he's been working. I I know, right? With QT, he's been being yeah, trained. I so that's what they so I mean, we'll we'll see. But I don't again. I don't know what the fuck Cody's doing. He's having a strap match against QT Marshall. Yep, in Miami. That's going to be live with an audience. Match should be good. Sure. But it's going to be at four corners. But I don't... I just can't comprehend... Cody's just putting these guys over. He's taking these school kids and he's putting them on television, giving them a position, and he's trying to enhance their positioning. But again, we've talked about this week in and week out. You can't do it to everybody. You can't make everybody a star. It's it's good in theory. It is, but... But you're taking a bunch of kids... And you're kind of throwing them together, when and you're hoping that this works kind of like the Spirit Squad. No offense, and it, it's not, no disrespect there, but it's like, you know, you have a bunch of kids. Spirit Squad was a bunch of kids. 
You took a bunch of kids, you threw them in a group, and you hoped that they can sink or swim, and you gave them a cheerleading gimmick. Well, that, that's not going to work. But who comes out of the spirit squad? Dolph Ziggler. But you got a go-go. I'm, not, it, I'm just throwing this out there. You got a bunch of kids. You got a go-go. You have Brock Anderson. You have Aaron Solo. You have Nick Camarado. You have Lee Johnson. Who's going to come out of this? But are you overexposing too many young guys who may not recover from this? Kind of like the Spirit Squad. Only one guy survived. Maybe, I, I just, I think the third hour is going to help. Rampage is definitely going to help because as we continue to discuss, there's just not enough time to highlight everyone. And, and sometimes Cody's you can't highlight with... everyone. I know. Because it dilutes the pool. So, yes. you know, right, yeah. But the strap match should be interesting. Um, yeah, the Cody stuff just isn't interesting to me. I mean, it's a D. I, it, it was something that's just, it's like Cody is completely irrelevant to everything else that's happening on the roster right now. He feels like he's running his own show, like it's his own thing. It seems separate. It's just, it, yeah, it's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm not, not a fan of it. I meant interesting in that I think the match will be fun and unique, especially with the audience. But yeah, as we've talked about this. Match between this... QT Marshall. QT Marshall's a good wrestler. Cody and QT is a good wrestler. I think the match will be good. Live audience. Yeah, match. I think the audience will definitely. That'll definitely play a part there. After that, we had Trio's tag action. The Young Bucks with Brandon Cutler versus Death Triangle and Eddie Kingston. And this match was good. It had a run-in from the Elite Hunter Kaz at the end, but we'll get there. But this match was good. Absolutely. I mean, Death Triangle versus the Young Bucks. You have Eddie Kingston involved with the Moxley story, so you have that rich there. Brandon Cutler, as I've said before, I'd like to see him involved a little bit more because he's a very good wrestler. He's, he's great. I like Brandon Cutler over some of the other guys that get spots. I think he's a great athlete. I think he sells well, and he fits right in the role with the Bucks because he has a story. Yeah. This was all good. This was a good match. Absolutely. This was, this was good from top down. This is an A. It was good storytelling. You had the right people in there. Moxley obviously getting avenged by Eddie Kingston in this whole situation, teaming with Pac, even though they didn't get along because of the whole situation when he took Fenix and Penta a couple of uh, months ago, you know, before Pac returned and kind of said, hey, look, you can't take my guys. Yeah. But they're kind of on the same page again. You have the Bucks kind of, you know, doing their thing, dominating through the tag team division. So we'll see what comes out of this. Because Death Triangle already challenged for the AEW World Tag Team titles and lost. Who's next? Because Kaz is gunning for them, but Kaz can't do it alone. So what comes next? Uh, Kaz big is going to do it alone. That's a big question. And next week... Well, actually, Kaz may have found some friends here. Because next week we've got Eddie Kingston, Penta, and Frankie Kazarian versus the Good Brothers and Matt Jackson. So you get the strongest no, together here. this is... It's, Pack versus Nick? Like, are we just gearing up for that separately? I am not understanding. No. 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 Yeah. But anyway, Kaz fits into the role here, but Kaz needs his own partner. Kaz can't just latch himself onto Pack and Penta for the long term. I, I don't mean no, it that way. For the long term, not. he needs to kind of have his own character here, which I, I like the Elite Hunter thing. I think this is going to be solo. Like, I feel like it's going to be solo, unless you think it's going to end in him. I don't know. I have no idea. But he's because he's going after the Bucks, so I I just don't know what they're gonna do with Kaz. I I, I don't. Well, know. actually, he he said it's gonna end with the King. Is that is that gonna be Kenny? Uh, it's possible. Is he gonna get an AEW World Title match? I mean, match would be great. He's not gonna win it. But I when he loses that, what happens to Kaz and the Elite Hunter thing? I mean, this is 
I feel like this should culminate in something bigger because the story's strong. This is, this is one of the best things yeah, on Dynamite right now. The story's strong. It's rich. It's deep. I think that it should culminate in something bigger than uh, a Kaz throwaway against Kenny Omega on some television show in August. All Out, maybe? No, I don't. You can't sell a pay-per-view with that. No, it wouldn't make sense. Well, I, don't, I just don't think you can sell a pay-per-view with Kazarian versus Omega as the main event. I also don't really feel that that's actually what it's building towards right now. It He's should be going toward the box, right? And I, I think it should culminate in something strong because I like this story. I think it's a good story. It is. It shouldn't just end in a throwaway where Kaz just gets left irrelevant because I mean he's got a lot left in the tank. He shouldn't be left on the no. outskirts. And no. I think a loss in this situation at the end of this whole story where he's building this and it's a good character, it's a strong character is only gonna is only gonna hurt him. I agree. Very so compelling, we'll though. Yeah. I like that a lot. Then we had the the pinnacle cutting a promo, which ultimately culminates in the inner circle destroying their limousine. Yeah, it was fine. Good segment. I mean, we've had a lot of these recently, of, like, destruction type of promos. We had Kingston and Moxley destroying the that, like, trailer. We have this get, limo getting destroyed. Yeah. We have a lot of these recently, but we it's fine. It was good promo. Big it's just money filler. Wardlow on the mic. I mean... Yeah, right. you're also gearing up toward a, having a couple of these matches. You know, obviously you have Wardlow versus Jake Hager at some point. It might be next week, I don't remember. But you have that happening at some point. So you're gearing up toward these singles matches. It's just a way to tell a story, but it was fine. We've had a lot of these types of same promos. So again, Jericho was the one that kind of came out and spoke about it, saying, hey, you know, we don't want the same segments every week. I mean, you're, you know, you're kind of getting the same segments, not in the same week, but you're getting the same segments. So... You know, destruction of or vandalism of vehicles has happened a lot in AEW. So we're kind of, you know, we'll see if we can do something a little different here. It's June. This is the month we got to get through. So I feel like things are going to gear up again. It's also good weather. So you kind of want to do some promos outside. You want to do some of these things while you can. Because, you know, it's obviously they're in Florida. But, you know, you want to kind of like, you know, got good weather. It's summertime. It was taped until the 26th, It was, yeah. Yeah. But no, good, good point. Take advantage of the weather while you can. But then something that was um, interesting was Darby wanting to take on Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page on his own. Him and Sting had a little interview backstage. Um, Darby doesn't want Sting to be involved in this match. So I understand what happened. So it's not like I need like explanation, like I'm not confused here. I just don't know why they're doing this. I don't. Yeah, I don't thought know we what were gearing up for, yeah. like you said, like the summer of Darby and Sting. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what this is about. Obviously, it's just to build the story of Sting coming back. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that this is necessary. I, I, I think that they kind of the feud's not over. Right. But I don't know if this is necessary. I don't know if I like it. It's, I don't know if it's necessary. It's like a wrench. So. It's kind of seeming like Darby's going to have another guy that's going to come because Sting can't wrestle weekly. So it's almost like they're going to, it seems like they're going to gear up to add somebody else to this like little group they got, but we'll see. We'll see. Is that match happening next week or this week? I think this week. This yeah. week. One of the highlights of the evening, though, was TNT Championship action Miro versus Evil Uno. They did a. Beautiful video package like they always do, commemorating Mr. Brody Lee uh, on the road too, and you know Evil Uno's basically quest for redemption for Brody and for the Dark Order, 
And uh, even though this was a Miro win, I thought this was a really, really good match. Evil Uno was nothing but entertaining. I mean, Evil Uno has held the Dark Order together even during the times where, you know, they were struggling before Brody got there, before they kind of tightened it up. And Evil Uno's been excellent. John Silver, Evil Uno, those guys have been Dark Order absolutely is, is top fantastic. tier. Yeah. Those two have really shined in the Dark Order. So obviously the main event had, had 10 in it. Preston Vance was in it yeah, with Hangman was Page. He was wrestler so ob- of the week this so week. So obviously Dark Order still has some influence. We have to figure out, though, what the Dark Order is. They don't have direction. We've said this for weeks. It, I understand people say they may want a leader. You can have Tommy End come be the leader. They don't want a leader. John Silver says we had the best leader. No, no, I get it. Nobody can be Brody Lee. But Tommy End can come in and give them something different as a dominant presence. Doesn't have to be a leader. Yeah. But he can change the direction of Dark Order. He can make them darker, he can make them deeper, he can give them more of that spiritual aspect of what Dark Order kind was, of that, back that to spooky the kind of, what they call them, the, the, spooky, the spooky perverts. perverts. He yeah. can kind of bring back the spooky part of what the Dark Order could be. I'm only throwing it out there, and it's it's that's one of those things that everybody's going to say because they happen to have very similar styles. They happen to be, you know, kind of dark and kind of spooky, supernatural type of characters in a way. So that's what every fan is going to put together. But I think it could be more of a change of direction for Dark Order. Just kind of give them more of that that spooky, kind of darker image of what they have right now. But it's hard. Their faces. Tony Khan said it. It's hard. They're beloved. So... What do you do with Dark Order? I think Dark Order's fine. I don't think there's anything... You're not looking at Dark Order going, they're having bad segments. No, they are They are extremely entertaining. Like you said, we had them all over the card. We had 10 in the main event. We had uh, Uno getting this full-length match. This wasn't just a, a squash. He, he, went, he went to bat with Miro. Um, but it feels like they just don't have... It's like they're there, but yeah. they're not. They're present. Exactly. You had Uno versus Miro. Great match. Obviously, Stu Grayson is unlimited regarding talent. I, more Stu John Silver is going to come back soon. You have Cole Cabana involved at Gross. You have Anna Jay who's going to come back soon. You have Tay Conti kind of flirting with them. You have Adam Page kind of flirting with them. Of course, you know, you have deep, diverse Dark Order on almost every single show. The question is... What are they? Yeah. They're not a dominant thing. They're just a lingering thing. They just exist. There's nothing, there's no part of them that's strong. They're not weak, but there's no part of them that's strong. They're not competitors. They're not legitimate contenders of anything. They just kind of exist. Funny, entertaining. If this is the role they want to take, this is the role they want to hold with Dark Order, I'm fine with it. I'd like a little bit more definition kind of saying, hey, look, this is what they're going to be. Because Preston Vance got the finish, got the no, win over Will huge. Hobbs, which again is huge because Will Hobbs needs to stop eating defeat. Yeah, These guys need some victories. He lost on pay-per-view. They both did. Cage did and Hobbs did. And you go on Dynamite television. It's not live, but it's television. Your only televised show and you eat defeat. So Will Hobbs and these guys at Team Taz need a little bit of work. No, but I agree. The Dark Order does need some some strength in terms of their their presence on the roster. Because if if you're ranking factions in order in terms of dominance, they're they're on the lower end. Well, I think you do it because you also kind of 
figure who is in this faction. What type of figures are involved in this? Of course, you got Kenny Omega, you got the Young Bucks. That's a faction. You got Matt Hardy. He's got Private Party in there, you know. And Dark Order, you know, you have Uno and Stu Grayson. You got John Silver, Alex Reynolds. But, you know, those guys never really got out of the box in terms of being contenders as tag and team it's champions. It's not potential because they have all the talent in the world. Well, yeah, the entertainment value. Yeah, and John Silver's been good. Alex Reynolds has been good. I, I, I liked them in their role that they were given initially. I think Uno and Grayson have... And this is just maybe an opinion piece. People can come in and say this. I think Uno and Grayson have had the better matches in terms of match quality as a tag team over John Silver, Alex Reynolds. I meant the, the faction as a whole. Like, they have talent potential. They have talent. You're right. And, and, you know, again, 10's getting a victory at the end of the night. Yeah. He's main eventing. What comes of 10? Because they don't do much with him. He had a, he had a TNT title match. You know, you, you kind of have these, like, guys who you don't do much with because you're not... Well, Ten's not ready yet. He's not ready yet. Alan Angels isn't ready yet. These guys aren't ready yet, but who knows what the ceiling is for some of these guys anyway, like Alan Angels. No offense, I like Alan Angels, but what's the ceiling? You know, what's the ceiling of some of these guys? So, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, who have, in my opinion, had the better wrestling matches as a tag team than all the rest of them. I think maybe they should do something. They got close to the tag titles a couple times. They were contenders. Maybe we kind of get this involved. You have the obviously you have the Adam Page thing, but Adam Page feels like a stall tactic, and it kind of hurts Dark Order. No offense, because it's like Dark Order's playing the stall tactic for Adam Page. So, again, I don't know. I we we sidetracked here because of Miro. Match is great. Miro's excellent. Yeah. Evo Uno and Miro had a very good match. I thought that they matched up well. Although, you know, again, like I, I've always come out this two bigger guys matching up is always kind of like something I don't want to see. But AEW complete I still can't get over it. I don't know what it is. Like it's like this I, I'm I'm so brainwashed that I can't Well like, it's like you almost like like you kind of cringe at the thought of it. Because you got two guys that it's not them, it's not wrestlers. It's no. not Evil Uno, Evil Uno versus Darby Allen. I'd be, uh, I'd be all over that. Mirror, Mirror versus Darby Allen. But you got two bigger guys, and it's because for years in WWE, these guys couldn't, they couldn't mesh. The matches would be terrible. And it's like I just I can't train it's like myself. You, like, fear to the matchup almost. I like, fear it. Yeah. yeah, like it, like it's going to disappoint. I can't, I can't get myself out of it because AEW, I, I don't give them enough trust because everyone's delivered. Yeah. And it's like, you know, with Uno and Miro, I think Miro, it's a good opponent. He was a, uh, Evil Uno is very over, like I said, he, he's kind of the glue with John Silver that holds the Dark Order together, the most entertaining pieces. He comes out here, tells a nice story with Miro. Miro looks strong in victory. Yep. You have Lana at some point, I'm sure, is going to be coming over to AEW to enhance this with Miro. I'm sure you're going to hold Miro through when her uh, contract, I believe, comes up, which is right after All Out. So I'm sure Miro will be TNT champion through that. That'll be strong. Well, you might not need a title for that, but I'm, I'm sure that she's going to come over at some point. So we'll see where we go here. I'm sure, you know, at some point we're going to see some more women in flux. They've released a lot. You have Ruby Riot. You have the Iconics. So I think there will be more diversity coming in terms of that, just as a mention offhand. But match overall was solid. B enjoyed it. Good TNT title match. Thought it should have been a main event, but... You yeah, know, just because it was title match. I like the emotion involved in it too. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was really good all around. Miro's starting to click. I told you, I've, yeah, I've no, been on the Miro train. Yeah, and Miro's starting to click here. I really agree. starting to click here. So you know, give him the fucking ball, and let him run with it. Absolutely. 
Moving right along, though, we had a quick little segment with Jade Cargill and Mark Sterling, and Jade looked like fucking money in that gold outfit. Yeah, I don't like Mark Sterling, though. Yeah, not He's supposed sure. to be annoying. You're supposed to dislike him. Don't know what it is. His voice. I don't like his voice. For what, sure when you have a promo the pairing. Guy, the, the pairing is something where I think Sterling is like the lawyer. He's like the trademark guy. He's yeah, we like saw the him with MJF, guy. right? Yes, yeah. with Moxley. He, he's yeah, that, yeah, yeah. He's that guy that's supposed to irritate you. He's supposed to be that little, like, I know the rules type of guy. I got the book here. We're going to make the money here. He's kind of like an agent, like an agent slash lawyer slash yeah. representative. I get that. I'm, I'm no, I, I, get it. It. I get it. I, I, it's for a promo guy. You can't control your own voice. For a promo guy, I don't like the voice. He's not going to be Paul Heyman. He's not going to play that role. People tend to like him because he wouldn't be here if people backstage didn't see potential in him and didn't like him, didn't know him, didn't know his depth, didn't know his work. If people didn't know him, didn't like him, he wouldn't be here. So you got to trust the process. Do I like the pairing? I think it's fine because you're using Mark Sterling in that position. They want to give Jade a mouthpiece for whatever reason. I don't think she needs it. I didn't think she needed a mouthpiece. I've said this before. I thought she needed a partner. Yeah. Not a mouthpiece. Jade can talk. Yeah. Jade is impressive. Yeah. I don't think that she needs a mouthpiece. I think Sterling is a mouthpiece. Maybe they feel that she wants, maybe they, you know, hey, let's, let's hold her back a little bit, get her more refined before she starts going out and cutting promos. Maybe they feel for whatever reason her promos aren't hitting the mark they want to hit. I don't know. Like, as you said, it's an odd pairing. It makes sense. No, She's an asset. You want to acquire her. No, it's not that it doesn't She's make gonna sense. She's going to be money. It's just, I, I, something just isn't totally clicking with me. I don't know. Maybe it's the Mark Sterling part. I, I don't, it's his voice, I guess. I mean, it's just normal. If it was more whiny, if it was more annoying, it's, it's just like Mark Sterling seems like a normal dude. He plays the character fine. He's got good acting chops. I mean, he, he's able to sell you that he's the agent because that's the role he played with MJF. I get it. Like, he's this lawyer, agent, whatever he is. I, it works. I guess maybe it's that the pairing came out of nowhere. Like, he just it did, returned. Yeah. I think maybe that's what it is. Yeah, like, they got signed full-time. Recently? I believe so, yes. Oh, okay. All right. And they brought him in full-time, so he's going to be here. He's going to be involved in this, which is, like I said, there's something backstage they like him. That's cool. No, no, no. That's, that's totally I cool. You. I think that's where maybe I'm coming from, where it's not clicking. It's he. She was working with Hardy and with Vicky, and, like, you know, everyone's trying to acquire her, and, like, he just right, comes out of the... Asset. He comes out of the blue, and it's like... Well, oh, I guess right? you're right. If you put it that way, there wasn't enough story telling you how or why Mark Sterling is going to acquire her... Uh, Talents. Yeah, I think that's. I think maybe they that's that. what maybe it they was. Where I maybe they didn't have enough depth. Then it just happened, and it's like, okay, that's cool, but all good right. identifier. Yeah, we solved it. So yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with Mark Sterling and Jade Cargill. We'll see what Jade Cargill gets. Obviously, we know Jade doesn't wrestle often. Takes some preparation to get her matches in. She's a little green, but she's an asset. She's a diamond, as they call it. I mean, she'll be here. She's going to be a premier player for AEW going forward. So with Mark Sterling, of course, being her agent, representative, lawyer, we'll see. Yeah, but she looked like a million bucks. Always does. Always. And speaking of looking like a million bucks, we had Jim Ross sitting down with Andrade. 
Yeah, so we're going to get that full interview next week. That was the the big, you know, you have Jim Ross sitting down with Andrade. You're going to have that full interview next week. So we're going to see what he has to say. You had the promo coming up. Yeah. You talked about him putting on the, yeah, you had the mask chain. I mean, he's a different, he's the face of Latinos. Yeah. So we talked, Andrade looked fantastic last week. A million bucks. And I think he's going to bring that desperate need of diversity in regards to the different cultural aspect of what he brings to the men's roster. You have such a suave, diverse face of the Latino character that he is a major asset. On top of that, he's a fantastic wrestler. But that's irrelevant to the type of character he's going to give and the diversity he's going to bring to the top of what AEW has in the main event. And I think that he is in an absolute stud asset. And obviously, you know, there were rumors that were floating that he wanted this full creative control and that that, that was bullshit. And, you know, they'll listen to it. Andrade comes in here. He's got the look. He's got the style. He cut a great promo. People said he couldn't cut fucking promos. Are you kidding me? Now, not many people knew what Becky Guerrero said in that promo, and she's known for promos, but Andrade came out here, cut a fantastic promo. The guy can't speak English, can't cut promo, can't talk on TV. That's bullshit. That's fucking bullshit. So something else. I don't know what it was. or something else. He's going to be who he wants to be. He's going to be more of a full-blown character of what he wanted to be with his full creative control of this new look, this new Andrade coming to AEW. This is big. That's my favorite thing about AEW is that these these wrestlers just, they flourish because they are able to put in their creativity. They're able to put in their energy to be who they want and... It it really it really comes through on television. Like you can tell and buy into what they're doing. It, it seems so. I say it all the time, but it seems so like organic and natural. Yeah, and I I want to kind of go out of our little box here because we talk about AEW, talk about New Japan. I, I believe I could be mistaken. People can come in and correct me. Uh, source wise, I don't remember where I saw it. Don't remember where the source was. But Charlotte was interviewed after the Andrade debut, talking about how Andrade's going to have kind of his own thing, and she's excited to see what he's going to bring to the table for AEW, kind of saying, hey, he's got a lot that he's, that he's ready to bring. He's kind, of been, he's kind of been building this up, and he's got a lot that he's bringing to the table here, and he's been preparing, and he's been growing and changing. And she had talked about how she wanted to kind of change a little bit and give a different depiction of herself to the audience because for so many years, she's kind of been this, like, steely solo queen dominant women's wrestler and she kind of wanted to give or she was thinking about giving you know it's been no she's not been shy about wanting to pair with Andrade and she kind of wanted to give the audience a different perception of her as a real person and it's kind of like she's not given that ability to do that WWE doesn't allow her to do that because her character is so good at what it is this is what you do but that diversity, that realism, that change is what AEW provides and what they give to these wrestlers, which allows for such a tangible, malleable... You can invest. It's, it's this, this, this fluid situation. As things change, they change. As things change, the bucks change. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like realism versus, what would you say, like idealism or like, like dreams? Like it's like WWE... I feel like they're like larger than life 
And here in AEW, it's like WWE is sterile. They create characters. They produce television. As Vince would say, they make movies. Yeah. AEW produces wrestling. Characters. Characters versus wrestlers. And that's why you have the factions. You have relationships. You have things on television that build from one or the other. You have QT versus Cody, which again is a great story. I can't get over it. How they've kind of botched this story in a way. You have QT versus Cody. You have friends. You have trainers. You have business partners turning on each other. But it plays on all the realities of life and relationships and people growing and, like you said, and I don't, the box change, and people, again, like, these guys aren't changes. put in a box. People aren't put in a box. And Andrade is going to break out of his box, going to come to AEW, is going to do exactly what he wants to do and be who he wants to be. I'm and excited. this is what it's going to be. Yeah. But we're almost at the end of the show here. So a uh, quick, quick squash. We had Lance Archer versus Chandler Hopkins. Which, again, I, I cannot figure out what the hell they're doing with Lance Archer. I can't figure it out. I don't know. It, it's they. It's like I love it's them. like the big show. I, they just don't know what to do with him. He's a big guy that can eat losses. He's athletic, puts on great wrestling matches, and yet this guy just gets booked to do squashes because they can't hurt him. They don't want to bury him, but I mean the guy's on television every week. But he's just putting on this. Give him something worth it. He tells great stories. Jake Roberts is excellent. Do uh, something with these guys. They're a good pairing too. He had something with Sting that was completely fucking dropped. He had a great match with Miro, but it never really... It didn't feel like it was over because he chucked the snake. Yeah. So it's like, let's get there again. Let's get back to that. I watched yeah, that again. I watched that 2.0. Watch Miro versus Lance Archer 2. What's well, wrong with we've that? Got, we've got Fighter Fest. We've got Fight for the Fallen coming up. So, I mean, that's something they could definitely revisit. Yeah, I mean, we don't know July. what those matches are going to be during the whole month of July, which are these live, exciting performances that return to touring. So, yeah. I, I don't know, but I, fuck, man. I nope. do something with this guy. I, I agree. Then we had Nyla, uh, Nyla Rose versus Layla Hirsch. It's good to see Nyla back on television. Layla Hirsch on television. Yeah. Again, the diversity, the deep women's division that they have yeah. is obviously on, on display here. It's good to see Nyla back. But again, Nyla is in the similar role, Lance Archer, where she can eat defeat, not look weak. Right. What does Nyla do going forward? Does she target Karashita again? Do we tell another? Does she target Thunder Rosa? Do we get a story kind Ooh, of where maybe she that, just kind of... I would like that. Just something good. outside the box because there's not enough women's segments. No. Tay Conti? Like, could we get something here where maybe she's doing something that's not related to the women's title division? Britt Baker's going to have to go through Rio at some point, I hope, because that match would be good. Yeah. So we're going to have to get somewhere here and... I don't want to see Nyla rehash, but like Nyla's the big show of the women's division. There's no direction. We call it it's the big show effect, right? For a decade, the guy would flip back and forth and didn't have any direction. And it's like Nyla doesn't have any direction. Lance Archer doesn't have any direction. It's kind of you lose the bigger dominant styles, that theme, that kind of character that they that both of them they share. Well, I think like you said in Rampage or Dynamite where you know, you maybe you have the title picture, but then you have another women's segment that's for feuds. I mean, that yeah, that's that's what it is. They have a deep women's roster right now. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. You have Anna Jay returning at some point in the next year. Another good asset. Statlander's back. You could potentially have Ruby Riot. Statlander's back. You have some of the women from NWA. You have Serena Deeb. She lost the, the she did. title, so... You can have some carryover. You have some TNA women if you'd like to do this relationship. You want to continue it. You Impact can have some women. of them. Impact women. I'm sorry. I apologize. 
you can have some of this carryover. They have it. They haven't needed it, but no, they can right have now, some of the carryover. You have Thunder Rosa, of course. Huge asset. In my opinion, outside of Britt Baker, the biggest asset. Nyla Rose, Riho, Hikaru those Shida, your, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa. Yeah, I mean, those are those are absolute pillars. So we'll see. We'll see what they decide to do. But, you know, bringing some women over, if it's Peyton Royce, if it's Billy Kay, I don't know what they're going to go by. I don't want to disrespect them. Uh, if it's Ruby Riot, I think that adds some fun diversity, especially since the Iconics are just very enjoyable characters. Hilarious. That you can bring them yeah. over. They can add more, a different depth. They can add more to the women's division already. And But we need more story. Yes, we need more character and a little bit more story. And I think that that's because they're only given one segment a night, and that's not fair. Yeah. But with another hour, maybe they'll give in two segments. You get yeah. two segments, we have enough here. We can kind of get some more. You get Nyla in some feuds for non-title purposes. You can get the title feuds on television every week, plus an additional piece, which I think is going to be important. Yeah. Or maybe we can still hold out hope for women's tag titles. The women's tag titles is not a problem either. I think that, that could help, but you got to get the second segment. Yeah. Because there's just there's yeah. so many women that haven't been on television now. Where's Tay Conti been? Want to see her back on TV? So it's like you got to have this. Riho's barely been on TV, so you, you got to get this. You got to get this. Ball it's like a little you bit. said, the roster is it's very deep. Uh, the women's division has come a long way, and it's continuing to grow and grow each week. But like, we need more. Right. We need to see. We right. need more segments. But that brings us now to the main event of the evening, which we've already uh, kind of touched on: Hangman Adam Page and Preston Vance, the Dark Order's number ten, versus Team Taz. Brian Cage and Will Hobbs. I was much higher on this show than I was the last show. Yeah. I said that it was a much better yeah. show. Uh, we've talked at depth now, 45 minutes or so about this show. Kind of like last one was kind of like touch, and we'll move on to New Japan Dominion. And this one, I mean, obviously you have Will Hobbs, you have Brian Cage. You have Brian Cage's descent from Team Taz might have been a little, uh, I don't know, uh, where we might have been as audience overzealous of the fact that they were going to actually break up. He's still here. He's still a part of it. Will Hobbs, obviously, I love watching him on television. Good spot for them. I think Will Hobbs is starting. I'm starting to feel like we're getting him involved. The, that battle royal for Will Hobbs was fucking key. Mm -hmm. You put him in that big, prominent spotlight, front of the audience, on pay-per-view. He lasted to like the final four, yep. final five. That was fucking key. That was big. Absolutely. Because now Will Hobbs goes to the main event, and you're not looking at Will Hobbs being carried by Brian Cage. Will Hobbs is an asset to Team Taz with Brian Cage. He eats the pin. I want to see him get some more victories because, again, he's kind of a young guy, too. You have 10 and you have Hobbs. Good for Preston Vance. younger guys. Maybe not Brian, but you don't Hobbs. want to hurt Brian yeah. Cage because he's a younger guy. We talk about age a little bit. There's too much ageism in, in wrestling. I don't like this. It's discrimination. I hate it. I hate ageism. If you can go, you can go. I don't care if you're 60 or you're 20. It doesn't matter. Because Sting can fucking go, and I want to see him on television. It doesn't matter if he's 62. Yeah. And Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman are like 22, 23 years old. And I don't know how old they are. I'm just making, I'm, I'm pulling a JR right now. But, you know, they're 22, 23 years old. And, I mean, they're getting television time, too. I want to see them both. Yeah. I like the Varsity Blondes. Right. But there there does come a balance where, hey, you know, Brian Cage only 35, 36, however old, you know, every old is prime, prime wrestler. You don't want to yeah. take losses. Will Hobbs kind of in that wheelhouse. You don't want him to take losses. Preston Vance, you're trying to build, so you don't want him to take losses. But at the same time, Adam Page is the future. You don't want him to take losses. No, it's, it's, so not, it's not so much like 
age per se. It's like where you're at in your like career and, and right. how you want to like guys that can take losses. Yes, there are guys. Kazarian can take losses. Yeah. I don't want to see it. I'd like exactly. because his character is really good. It's going to culminate in something. But can Kazarian can take losses. Archer, like you said, Archer can take losses and still look strong. Yep. These are guys that can take defeat. Kingston can take defeat because he can talk himself out of anything. Yep. He can talk himself out of jail. But, I mean, you but know, the way can, you just laid it out with the main event, it's like who eats the pin. Like that's in really this situation, tough it's very difficult don't... to book the pin for this. But Will Hobbs is going to take the pin. I I guess of all of this, the goal is to put Preston over. And you didn't want him to take the loss. You don't want Adam Page to take the loss. Of Brian and Will, Hobbs is going to take take the loss. I mean, that's that's how I would book and it. And Vance it again, gets you know, the win because it we got to do with Hobbs going forward. Now, yes, Vance gets the win. You're right, Ashley. But with Hobbs going forward, we have to see him kind of build off of this. Now he can't take defeats for a minute. Right, exactly. He had it's a all great balance. The loss in the Battle Royals, nothing. He lasted all the way to five. You had the, the segment with Christian Cage. This was good for Hobbs. Television work, good prime role. It's an ideal spot for a guy you want to build over the next year. But now he loses on television. Obviously, these are taped shows, so in their head it might not matter, but we're still counting wins and losses. We're still telling a story every week. We need Hobbs to kind of get back on that horse a little bit because I don't want the big guy to fall in realm with the big guys where they kind of become, hey, well, Hobbs isn't going to get hurt because he's such a big, powerful guy that he doesn't have to take wins. He has to get wins. Can't eat losses all the time. Same thing with, well, no, same because thing we, we, we talked about this very early on uh, with Dojo and Dynamite. You can't lose all the time because then when someone beats you, the, the loss is diluted. Right. Like, it, it's all about, it's right. all about balance. And I think, like we said, there are certain people that can take defeats and there are certain people that can't. And I think that they kind of tried to put Sean Spears in that situation. He's taken too many defeats over the years. But he's on the up right now. He's on the up right now. But he took too many defeats for too long. There's only so many losses certain people can take before they become irrelevant. We've talked about this, but we haven't had this problem. Because remember, this is kind of an old thing we used to talk about back like uh, you know, almost over a year ago. Early on, yeah. We haven't had this issue, but no. we're starting to kind of see that again. Because everybody's starting to get involved again. You're starting to really kind of put this together. Darby Allen can take losses and look like a goddamn champion. Yep. So it's like, you know, Darby's one of those guys, too, doesn't need to win matches. He can have a losing record and still be a world champion. It works. It's fine. But certain guys, Lance Archer, these guys, they need direction. Will Hobbs needs wins. Still young. Still new. Still fresh. People know who Brian Cage is. He's dominant, big, physical monster. He's a beast. Yeah, Hobbs is so early on in his career. Princeton Vance is so early on in his career. You want to get Hobbs to the Brian Cage level? Yeah. So you can't have him taking defeats. But at the same time, 10 needs wins. But I don't know if 10 needs wins as much. They wanted to give it to Adam Page. They wanted to give the faces the win here. We'll see what's going on with Team Taz. Maybe there is dissent. Obviously, we, I'm backtracking like a little bit. I feel like there's still Maybe is. there's something going on here because, you know, they are taking another loss in the main event. I like diversifying the main events. I do. I like having different people in the main events. I, think I like it's a, that. I think it's a great highlight for the talent. Yeah, like you just talked great about balance. careers and where everyone's at. Like, absolutely. That's huge. There is also uh, an idea or a concept thrown out by a friend of ours. Again, like I said... Dynamite, late night Fridays, I get to talk to my friends and watch it. We all get to kind of watch together at 10 o'clock. So I kind of get these different inputs. Usually it's just you and I on Wednesday night. Yeah, you leave me on Fridays. 
I don't leave you. I'm sitting right next to you. But regarding that is hearing, you know, hey, I'm looking at this going, maybe the TNT title should be the main event title match. And then you kind of hear, well, you know, it's almost midnight on a Friday. Maybe AEW knows looking at the way the ratings are. They want to put eyeballs on the TNT title match. They want eyeballs on Christian. They want eyeballs on the Bucks. So you put them early because by midnight, not many people are watching it. It's it's not a bad still a, thought. No, it's not a bad thought. And, so, and it's still a prime spot. The main event's still a prime spot. But, you know, by midnight, not as many eyeballs are on it. You want eyeballs on the Bucks. You want eyeballs on Christian. You want eyeballs on the title. It's it's a good it's a good theory that because you're looking how sense. it concluded. It was kind of like jobber squash, Layla Hirsch versus Nyla Rose. This main event for nothing. So it's kind of like, hey, you know, maybe that's right. Maybe it's a good theory. They know more about the analytics. They have all access to that to that data. We don't have that. So, but I overall, mean, dynamite was good. Yeah. No, it was it was definitely it just it felt better than the previous week's episode. But. Going forward, I guess through July, we'll be on the normal schedule. We'll try to get it out before the weekend. But August, after the 13th, the debut of Rampage, it'll definitely be a Sunday to Monday type of show. Get you ready for the week, build up for Wednesday, talk about last week, talk about preview, talk about Rampage. Yeah. We'll see if we change things up with, you know, with the multi-shows in New Japan, um, if the structure changes. Again... If you guys want more content, too, uh, we, we try not to hold anyone too long, but if you want us to put out more episodes or jump on the, the Twitter spaces, I mean, let us know what you want to hear. Um, we're, we're open to, to whatever. And J.D. Drake, uh, let's do an interview. Yeah, we got to get you Rise Up the Wingman here. We do this. We're professionals. But with that, thank you guys so much for listening, as always. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, and getting ready for the summer. We are at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter, at Dojo and Dynamite on Instagram, dynamite at gmail.com. And we will be back later next week with another episode. Thanks, guys.